the symptom that's coming up, your low back pain is not just because of nothing. Is it because you have a sedentary lifestyle? Is it because you have um, really inefficient movement patterns? Is it because you're storing trauma that hasn't had recognition or integration? Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So, jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Ah, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the New Wave Podcast. Daniel DiPiazza checking in with you here. So happy to have you uh, on this wonderful Wednesday. And we have an exciting episode for you today. My friend Kate Jones is in the house. I should say Dr. Kate Jones is in the house. And she has a phenomenal story of uh, personal transformation, of overcoming a lot of her own, uh, her own personal shit to become the best version of herself, both personally and professionally. And she also has a lot of wisdom to drop on you. And so we're going to get into that episode. And in the meantime, make sure that you check out New Wave Entrepreneur newwaveentrepreneur.com. Uh, we have everything that I have going on in the community listed on that main site, including our um, our Substack, which has all the uh, all the podcast episodes, has all of the links to our workshops, it has even links to upcoming events that I'll be at. For instance, I'm going to be at Soul Revival on March 26th, which is next week in Tucson, Arizona, and we're going to be talking about all things uh, spiritual and business at this event. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Check out uh, newwaveentrepreneur.com for more info on that and make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this on, whether you're on my email list, which you can go to wayofentrepreneur.com to get on, or whether you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes, make sure that you leave a comment, make sure you leave a review. Uh, it just helps us to get better traction on the platform, it helps us to grow the show, and I really appreciate it. So thanks so much, and let's get into today's episode with Dr. Kate Jones. Oh yes, and before we get into the episode, almost forgot to note, uh, do your eyes get tired? when you're watching the screens all the time, like I am? Yeah, raise your hand. Uh, I think that I speak for all of us when I say that I am screened out. I am completely pixelated. My eyes are uh, sometimes just dead from looking at screens all day. And obviously, the, the important part is making sure that we have time away from the screens. But if you're going to be looking at screens a lot like I am, sometimes even at night, I think you will highly benefit from checking out Swanix Sleep Glasses. Uh, I've used these for years. You've seen me on the podcast using them. They're the only other glasses that I really use. I don't even have corrective glasses, so these are, these are the only ones I use. And um, they are great for uh, looking at the computer screen, especially at night, uh, because it helps to reduce the amount of blue light that you're taking in through your eyes. And this is the type of UV light that makes it hard to go to sleep, uh, even after you're done looking at the light, because it changes your sleep cycle just a little bit. It throws off your sleep cycle, uh, your circadian rhythm, which interrupts your the production of melatonin in your body because your brain still thinks that you're sleeping when it sees these lights, which it misinterprets as being sunlight. And uh, these glasses are great. They're called Swannies. You can check out um, www.swannicksleep.com, S-W-A-N-W-I-C-K, like Swanwick, swanwicksleep.com forward slash Daniel. You can get 15% off. You, you've seen me on the, on the podcast with James as well, who's the founder of this company and who's uh, who, who came up with the idea. And so, you know, 
I have, I have nothing but love for what they're doing and their dope product. Check them out. Thank you to Swanix Sleep for sponsoring the show. And now let's get into the episode. Hey, Dr. Kate Jones. Oh, hi, Daniel. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm fabulous. It's a beautiful day here in Tucson, Arizona, and just soaking up the sun and took the kids to the Children's Museum this morning. So. Oh, Children's Museum. Do you, do you burn or do you tan? I, you know, I do tan. I've never, I've only been sunburned probably twice in my life. And that was in Florida, okay, like on a boat or just being out in the water. But uh, despite how melanin deficient I appear, I do, <laughs> I do get tan. I have those wow. olive undertones, but it takes a minute. I feel like being in the desert, I get more tan here than I have ever before. Yeah. I was, I was wondering too, cause you're, there's, there's no, uh, there's no cloud coverage hardly ever sometimes. Um, no. in in Arizona and when I'm out there man I just start baking and I like yeah. it I like it though and it's the exact opposite of oh, where yeah. I am here which is cloud coverage so but I was just wondering yeah like, Willow oh, and Jax will go outside for five minutes and they come in and they're like a total shade darker yeah man, they're they're like crispy yeah <laughs> like a, like a shit like a shade of bacon my favorite shade of bacon <laughs> we we were talking off air my favorite shade of bacon oh here's another question Turkey, turkey yeah. bacon or pork bacon? Um, you know, it depends if it's, if it's well sourced pork bacon, uh-huh. I'll go there. Pork bacon is, but yeah. I don't, yeah, but I also, I do enjoy the turkey bacon. Turkey bacon can be good, but let's just talk well sourced, meaning like, you know, humanely curated, however, whatever words you want to put on it, you yeah, know, well, high good. quality pork bacon. Oh my gosh, man. Holy fuck. It's so good. Oh God. Turkey bacon can't really hold a candle to it, honestly. No, it can't. It's just, it it's like the sad um, wannabe It bacon. just passes, it just barely passes the mustard if there, everything else is good on your sandwich, for instance, with the BLT. But man, that, that turkey, that pork bacon, because it has the fat in it. It does. Yeah. yeah. But if you add the fat in, in different ways with turkey bacon, you can do some, some nice things. But, you know, it's... Same yeah. thing with turkey burgers, which I do like, but... You know they're gonna be a little bit drier. You don't like them? Not as much. I used to be into them a lot when I was when I was bodybuilding. I think now I've kind of I've just I've eaten my fair share of them. I can't do them anymore. I used to be able to yeah. eat them a lot. Just Why are we talking? Food. Stop. We no. need to talk about. We're not talking about bacon and. This is not a food podcast. Okay? It's not a food podcast. I'm gonna, I, so so. Well, the reason why I'm thinking about this is because I'm eating a lot more food now. I'm trying to gain weight again. I'm thinking about oh, I gotta eat more today. I gotta eat again. You know, yeah. going back into going back into bulk mode. Um, Go for it. Maybe I'll do a podcast on my bulking. But what what I wanted to bring you on and talk about today uh, is something I think is really important because I have been learning about it myself, and it's been useful to to my own journey of understanding of uh, my own heart and my mind. And uh, the the word that came up for me is uh, I think I said emotional resilience, understanding what you're feeling, and also being able to deal with difficult times or stressful times. And, um, but 
I guess the reason I thought about you when I was thinking about this is because you have a very particular story. Uh, and I thought maybe you could share it because it has a lot of elements of emotional resilience and a lot of uh, these insights, which I think will be useful. And then maybe we yeah. can go from there. Cool. Where to start? So what part of my story? <laughs> well, I mean... I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of layers there. there. So one particular element which I've heard you speak about is having your kids in grad school and the experiences that was, and the understanding that you gained from some pretty like touch and go situations. So yeah, I think that's a good place to start because there's all these different points of our lives where we're being initiated into the next version of ourselves. And to think that we're going to stay the same forever is just this lie that we've been fed or conditioned our minds into. And I think it's a really, it holds us back in so many different ways when we, when we're clinging to that element of control and we're clinging to that known, but the more that grow and mature and start to experience life in depths and in texture, you realize that you're really never going to stay the same. Your essence will always be there. And the reclamation and the coming home to who you truly are will be ever present as, as almost like this through line, right? So we have these, these compartmentalized pieces of ourselves, but the more that we can really understand what is that core um, pillar of expression that we stand on the more that we can understand and meet with grace, the ways that we can continue to develop into all of the parts of ourselves. So I think of this a lot in the journey in the feminine, and this happens in the masculine as well, as you grow and you, you, you know, you, you leave home for the first time, you start to be out on your own. That's a whole new expression of who you are. You decide to go to college or start working and you start to develop these different facets of yourself. And with the feminine too, it's like, there's all of these rites of passage, you know, becoming a woman, starting your cycle, you know, stepping into partnership, marriage, kids, all these different things. And the same thing happens, like I said, for the masculine, but these identity uh, spaces that we step into when we're met with an openness can be such potent medicine for us. And so for me, I think that journey has taken a lot of different forms. And one of the ways that it's been most relevant is really with having kids. So I, um, Brett and I started dating when he was doing prerequisites for chiropractic college. We dated long distance. Eventually I ended up moving up to the Bay area. I started working for the school. I was like, this shit is amazing. I love the culture and the values that were a part of the chiropractic lifestyle. And I decided for myself that that felt like the next authentic space for me to move into coming from a career in dance, coming from a lot of body awareness. I was like, okay, you this were is in dance. That's right. That's yeah. Right. That was my whole upbringing was dancing, okay. competing. I did an undergraduate program. So you always had some ideas of physicality, body work, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That makes and sense. Even within that, I was like, okay, well, how can I utilize all of that? lexicon and all of that awareness into what comes next. And I knew I didn't want to own a studio. I knew I didn't want to teach in that capacity. And so chiropractic really was this next 
journey for me to apply all of that knowledge into a skill set that wasn't necessarily what I thought was going to come forward. Well, can I just say too, when what what year did you start chiropractic school? 2013. Okay. Yeah. Well, I asked because like, I feel like it's been just within the past 10 years, people have really, at least from my perception, have started to really appreciate the role of chiropractic, maybe 15 years. Yeah. But- especially in like holistic approach to, uh, you know, to, to, to health. And um, so I, I feel like you were picking a field where you, you must have truly had a sense of alignment with it because it, it, it's not necessarily like a, a popular field. I think a lot of people are still realizing that it's not pseudoscience. It's real. <laughs> like there's still people who don't actually even know that's real. Yeah. And I think what's so funny too is there's all of this talk now around regulating your nervous system, vagal tone, making sure that you're in a a good window of tolerance within your nervous system and all of these different tips and tricks and biohacking of how can you um, regulate the nervous system. And I was thinking about this the other day and that's the shit that chiropractic has been doing for the last hundred plus years. That's the whole basis of it is to regulate the the nervous system so that the brain and the body can have coherent understanding of what's actually happening. If your nervous system is a mess, your perception of the world around you is distorted. And when we don't have an opportunity to integrate our experiences, we store them, right? So the more that we have opportunity to integrate our experiences, we can learn the wisdom that comes through in that integration and then actually apply it to our evolution. So, well, I'm sorry that I, that I interrupted you because you were talking about no. your evolutionary process and, and yeah. how having kids was the window to that. Yeah. So I started chiropractic college and I first started school and I was still working full time for the chiropractic school. I was um, in enrollment and I transitioned into becoming a student and I broke that first quarter up into three quarters, which typically you don't do, but I was doing that. I was working 36 hours a week and I was planning our wedding. And then when I decided to go full time as a student, a. right? <laughs> yeah, a. Achieving a whole bunch of shit. Um, check, 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 decided, check. Let's do more. Let's put more on the yeah. When I decided to go full time as a student, it was in my second quarter and it was like six months after we had gotten married and I got pregnant with our son. And I really had to have this kind of come to Jesus moment of, am I going to continue this process? And Brett never pressured me to become a chiropractor. He was, you would think that my partner would have been the one who was in my ear, like, oh, you should do this too. It'd be so good to practice together. Like we could, you know, whatever. Right. And And I, <laughs> build a brand, build, build an empire. Build a brand. I, I have a dream of a chiropractic brand, Kate. What a sell! Oh God, yeah. And I, I knew that I was going to be a part of the practice in some capacity. I knew that I was going to be living my life in this in this way. And I got to the point where I, I had to sit with, okay, if I was, this was my initiation into deciding to become a student was. Would I be able to sit in the practice all day long and watch him adjust people and be okay never getting into the game? And that became a strong no. So, and I think that was informed by the dance background. I was like, I want to do the thing. 
the, the thing about it is that, you know, as, as a guy, I think that we have our, our trajectory with our career isn't as easily inhibited by having a kid as a woman's could be if there isn't more intention intentionality. So it's oh, like yeah. you had to make a choice. Like if you're pregnant, you have to be like, do I want to continue doing what I'm doing and have this baby? Because that's a different experience than dropping out yeah. and doing only the baby or not having the baby, which is a whole different yeah. experience. Yep. So yep. I just think that a lot of men you know, don't even consider that that's a whole different matrix of decisions to make. And I want, and a lot of men are listening to the show. So I want to just call that out. Yeah. Thank you for that acknowledgement. Cause it is it's national it's, women's month. Right. <laughs> it's March. Well, it's March. It's our month. I we must recognize you. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I had to sit with that exactly. And I, I just had to really get honest with myself with, would I feel fulfilled being able to knowing that, you know, this was our first child, we were married, we we knew we wanted to have kids. And I firmly believe that babies come through when they're meant to come through. And we don't always get to decide the timing of when that happens. Like sure. creator has a sure. bigger plan for us. So there was trust that this child was showing up when he needed to show up. Uh, and in that I had to sit with, would I be able to look my child in the face and say, I was pursuing this as a career and I decided to not continue primarily because of the pregnancy. And, and there's no judgment around whether people choose to pivot and make a different decision and say, you know what, I don't want to continue this thing. Cause it is all about the authenticity in which you're walking with and I just knew that I wasn't going to be able to do that. I knew that I couldn't tell him or her, because we didn't know if Jax was a boy or a girl, that I was pursuing something and I stopped. And I, I couldn't face having that conversation as a mother for him later in life, yeah, yeah. being yeah. like, oh, you're going against this thing. Because you're always going to be met with opposition, especially when you're wanting to step into greatness and you're wanting to pursue something, there's always going to be shit that gets in your way. And there's always going to be tests that say, do you really want this? And I knew that I had to see it through. And I wanted that. I wanted that for myself. I wanted to be able to be that example for my child. And that was what continued the process of, okay, I'm not stopping school and I'm going to see it through. That made school way fucking harder for sure. <laughs> so that was that was a big start too was, you know, a child takes a lot of energy in the woman's body. It creates a totally yeah. different energetic grid in the family. There's now a new responsibility and a new human that you have to take into consideration in all the ways that you're moving in your life. So for me, I I continued on with school. And it was hard, you know, I mean, I I remember being in between classes and nursing a baby or in between classes and pumping or taking my first round of national board exams and having to request extra time so that I could go pump in between exams. And chiropractic school is also, I think there's a misconception that, oh, it's chiropractic, whatever, you just go and you learn it and it's fine, but it's a full-blown doctorate program. Yeah, who, th- who, yeah. I don't yeah, know. People don't know, it's a doctorate, yeah. seminar and you're just like, here you go, <laughs> like, have at it. Right, right, right. Oh, you're getting yeah. a doctorate. You're all chiropractors now. Yeah, you're all, go for it, whatever. <laughs> and um, 
So it's rigorous yeah. and there's a lot of demand and it's very stressful. And there's, you're there from like seven in the morning till five at night. And oh, you're cracking people's bodies, man. You have to be diligent and precise. Totally. You and have a lot of uh, people's lives in your hands. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. Um, so for me, being in that space and then knowing that I was going to see that through, had Jackson, you know, Thankfully, Brett was, we were also building a practice. We were building Kairos. So he was traveling a lot. We ended up having a full-time nanny so that I could finish school. My parents were so supportive and they'd come out and stay for like a week so I could cram and study for these big tests. And it was, it was really about leaning on community in a good way that, which is so important that the community that you surround yourself with is able to help you feel supported as you go into these next realms of your expression and your being. And so had Jack's continued school, did all the things. And then I think it was seven or eight months right before I graduated, I got pregnant with Willow. So having one child Less than a year. school wasn't enough. I had to have two. Um, it, was it, was it less, was that less than a year after Jackson or more than a year? No, they're three years apart. So they actually, they had the same, they had this, this is a wild story too, which we can get super meta on if we want. But um, Jackson was originally a twin. I miscarried the twin. Yeah. I had this feeling. I was like, oh, I always thought our first, our first child was going to be a boy. We were going to name him Jackson. And when I got pregnant, I was like, okay, like here he is. And then I had this moment where I was like, what if I'm having a girl? Because it never even entered my field. My whole family was like, oh, we have boys, 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 boys. Joneses have boys, whatever. So I always thought we were going to have boys. And I had this moment where I was like, well, what if I'm having a girl? And then I had this flash. I was like, what if I'm having a boy and a girl? And then three days later, I ended up having a miscarriage. And it was a full-blown everything that you would expect. So talk about emotional swarm of just everything that you would classically see as a presentation of a miscarriage. And then I went to go get checked to make sure my body was, you know, healing and moving through that process in a good way. And they did an ultrasound. They were like, oh, and they found a heartbeat and they were like, oh no, you're still pregnant. And I was like, excuse me. They were like, yeah, the baby's right there. And then right next to it was this little deflated amniotic sac. And they were like, you you had twins. Wow. And he just carried one of the twins. Wow. So flash forward to Willow. And Jackson's story is like this whole beautiful thing too, really about holding space and really about holding a container of individual expression. And when you don't put somebody in a box, how they can really thrive, then eventually we'll do a whole, I'll probably tell that story at a different time. But get pregnant with Willow. The two of them had the same exact due date. And Jackson was born August 27th at 3:41 p.m. She was born August 23rd at 7:41 p.m. and they're they had they're exactly 3 years apart. So I feel like she might have been his twin who just knew that he needed to come first and needed that space for us to hold for him and then she was like I'm going to come later. That kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of blew my mind. I think about that type of stuff a lot. I think about too, I think about like kids who come back and they can still remember their past lives for like the first seven years or something, you know, because they're still, they're peeling away from that old identity and assuming the new one. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and they're direct from the source too. They're direct from the source. And she has There's been said, too many instances of that for it not to be something. Yeah. She's said crazy shit to me too, where she's been like, oh, when I, I was in mommy's tummy with Jackson, I was like, excuse me, what? Kid, yeah, kids will say that type of stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. So anyway, back to the back to the story. I ended up having I got pregnant with Willow. I was probably seven and a half months pregnant when I walked the stage and graduated. So I had to do all of my part two, threes, fours, PT, Waddling. all of my clinicals, everything, hella pregnant. Um, uncomfortable. And uncomfortable and stressful in the system and just a lot for a family too. You know, you chiropractic school is like a baby in and of itself. Um, <laughs> and, and from that, I think what really happened was with the first kiddo, I felt like I lost myself a lot and I was very consumed with being in a support role, making sure that everybody else's needs were taken care of. It really kind of in some ways, um, took me away from who I was and who I was meant to be expressing and that, like I said, that pillar of my essence of who I was, and it, it really put a strain on mine and Brett's marriage. And, you know, we had some really hard times where he was like, I don't know where you are. Like, where is this? Where's the woman that I married? Like, where are you? And when I was pregnant with Willow, started this kind of new awakening of self and really deepening in the spiritual path. And she grounded our family in such a beautiful way. And from that experience and having her, I had to really start to redefine, you know, who I was and come back to knowing who the fuck I am. And I didn't necessarily like I've always been a very emotionally aware person and I don't feel many people are and we haven't culturally cultivated that for our children, for ourselves, for our communities. And so I ended up creating, I created a course around it called Selfish, which was all about understanding how to assess these different areas of your life, like understanding yourself, your emotional awareness, your, your love life, your friendships, your family, your, um, your inner conversation that you're having, your spiritual connection to God, creator, source, whatever you want to call it, and then how you find home within yourself. and. What came from that was deep understanding of how to better under or understand my needs, understand my emotions, and make better requests for how to get those needs met, and really unpack what I was feeling. So can you give some examples? So, okay, for like needs. So basically, the whole thing started, and I think a good jumping off point, and this is just a really good applicable skill to have, is taking inventory of where you're at. So mm-hmm. taking an inventory of not only just like, oh, like, am, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I whatever? Those are very basic needs. Like if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like your basic survival right. needs, are you breathing? Right. Are you eating? Yep. Are you shitting, you know, the things that need to happen. Um, and then working your way up to self-actualization. And uh, having a way to do an inventory of yourself to understand, okay, what are my needs? Are my needs being met or are my needs not being met? And then recognizing that our emotions that we're feeling are really just downstream effects of our needs either being met or our needs not being met. So, so what would be some needs? What would be examples of needs that would that could be potentially not met where we'd feel yeah. an emotion? So 
take, for example, you're feeling frustration, right? You're feeling frustration, you're feeling anger, maybe your need for communication is not being met. So take a friendship or a partnership, you're feeling really frustrated with this person, you're feeling kind of angry because you don't feel understood by them. And it's not just like anger doesn't come out of nowhere, there's a reason for it, right? So taking into consideration our emotions are ways for us to understand where our energy is either flowing or being stagnant and then backpedaling it to, okay, well, what is the need behind this? Is it communication? Is it a community? Is it a need for belonging? Is it a need for higher purpose? What is it that is either being met or not being met will lead us to either a favorable or a non-favorable emotion or feeling within our bodies. And Often what happens is people feel shit and then they dissociate from it because they don't want to deal with it because they don't have the skills to understand what the fuck they're feeling or how to make a request to get those needs met. And knowing that you can get all of your needs met internally from your own self, but there's also where you don't, your life doesn't happen in an isolated experience. You know, you you are in relationship to or proximity to other people. So well, one of the, one of the things that this is making me think too is, you know, there's like different ways when I when I think about classifying getting my needs met. You know, there's obviously like the relationship aspect of this with like if you're in a, a like an intimate relationship, a marriage. There's the, there's the friendship aspect. There's also in in working relationships. So for instance, like uh, if you work at a, a job in your career. You know, you might be working with uh, with coworkers, colleagues, bosses, you know, and requesting of them what you need to get your job done, not harboring these weird types of like, uh, you know, animosities or un- unresolved problems, because those also are things you hold on to. And then they create, you know, problems in your life that build up, up upon each other in addition to personal stuff, too. I mean, this can be seen too. like if you have a need for efficiency and all the people you're working with in your team are fucking around and not getting shit done, then you're going to start feeling frustration or you're going to start feeling resentment because your need for efficiency, clarity, execution are not being met. So then how can you have direct and clear communication not coming from an emotionally charged place? And that's where the, the nervous system regulation comes in. Noticing what you're feeling, feeling what you're feeling, and then finding the opportunities of how you can come home to yourself, how you can regulate your nervous system so that you're not just speaking out of emotion, but you're speaking from needs and clarity. Emotional sobriety for a lot of people, like finding an emotionally neutral space is so necessary in business, in partnerships, in parenting, in friendships, because if you're only just popping off out of your sadness or out of your whatever it is, you're not getting to the core root of why something's happening. And again, I relate this back to chiropractic. The symptom that's coming up, your low back pain is not just because of nothing. Is it because you have a sedentary lifestyle? Is it because you have um, really inefficient movement patterns? Is it because you're storing trauma that hasn't had recognition or integration? So understanding the why behind something is so potent to be able to transmute that into action that is, I don't want to say relevant, but action that is aligned. So, so after you, so after you had Willow, you know, what was the, you were saying that kind of like 
getting your needs met was the key to you finding your way back. And what were some of the things that you that you started to implement in your life to start to bring the pieces of yourself back together after having kind of had like a, I don't know, a quarter life crisis combined with pregnancy and motherhood combined crisis. with maybe postpartum depression, like, you know, yeah. well, how, how, what were the, what needs did you get met that, yeah. that created the new momentum? Um, with her, I did, did have need? a lot of postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. Too. Yeah. Um, so that was its own journey as well, but it's, it's continually reprised re. Yeah, reprioritization of self yes, of self and i say selfishness not from and i named the course selfish because it's a triggering word for people it is triggering self-centered selfish yeah triggering and there's a difference between caring and nurturing self not from the ego and being like, I don't give a fuck about anybody else. And I'm just going to do whatever I want because understanding your needs and getting your needs met, but it's having reverence and respect for your needs as much as somebody else's. And then being able to have clear communication about what they are so that you can get your needs met, they can get their needs met and everybody can continue to grow and feel fulfilled. So how does that work in a relationship context? You, you said that, you know, basically reprioritizing yourself was the key. How did you come back in your relationship and say, all right, I need to reprioritize me because I'm, I'm like, I'm losing myself here. Yeah. What did that look like in the day to day? Um, asking for space, being able to receive help, communicating when I felt like I wasn't being appreciated, holding space, not only for other, but holding space for myself. So rather than being like, and this happens pretty chronically with mothers and i think it can also happen to the entrepreneur when you're so. putting your career yeah. ahead of everything else in your life and you're eating like Bingo. trash you're sleeping like trash you're communicating Bingo. like trash and you're not actually understanding how to take care of yourself so it was making me a priority what do i need to get up there a little bit earlier in the morning do i need go. to move my body do i need to be in prayer more often and I say prayer and Brett will say this too, but prayer as a form of like intention, um, you know, being able to be present, being able to speak that which you want to see in the world and what you want to see in your life. And so, you know, making sure you're making sure you're drinking enough water and you're not just burning your adrenals out with coffee nonstop and just go, 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 go. Because we get, again, culturally, <laughs> right? Cheers we culturally get into this rat race and we think bigger, stronger, faster all the time. And for me, reclaiming the feminine energy that resided within me, that was so dormant go. for a long time. Um, and we all possess masculine and feminine energy and it's finding the dance between the two, because if you're just going nonstop and you never give yourself space to recuperate, you'll burn your shit out. I, you know, that's interesting that you say that. And I think that, um, it seems like in today's society, pretty much women are expected to work as much as men, pretty much. That yeah. seems to be the case. Do, I know you can't speak for all women, but do women feel generally like this is a good thing? Or do you guys feel like, man, you know, it would be better if we actually had more of a supportive role because there's a benefit in playing that position to a certain extent? I think it's all individual. 
You know, like I know yeah. some women who feel really fulfilled being a homemaker and taking care of their family and that's what they do. And they love that. And I know women who are very committed to their careers and have a lot of help with the children and the home life. And that feels right for them. And I know women who are a hybrid. So I think if you like anthropologically look at it and just as as the makeup of a human, men are wired to want to protect. They're wired to want to provide. And women do the same thing, but in a different way. So it's finding the rhythm of it, not necessarily that it has to look a certain way, but what does your innate rhythm feel most aligned with? And so I feel like you're a, you're a, you're a hybrid, huh? Yeah, I'm a, a hybrid. hybrid. I'm a big hybrid. And I go through yeah. and I'm I'm even learning more of this and deepening into this too of of understanding the cycles of of nature and the cycles of just energy in my own body in my own expression where I kind of, and, and I came to, this is a perfect example. I came to this point, even at the end of this last year, where I had been moving and operating and doing things in a certain way. And I was like, I fucking hate this. Like, I don't like the way that my energy feels. I don't like the way that I feel like I don't have time to do anything else because I was in the practice Monday through Thursday in the morning. And then with the kids in the afternoons and then on Fridays. And I had started working with people one-on-one in an intuitive mentorship uh, container where we dive a little bit deeper into those principles of the course, but it's much more um, tailored to the individual and, and what they feel like they need to work on. So whether we dive deep more into um, their energy within their business, whether we dive deeper into where they're at in their relationship or their own personal needs, whatever it is. But I was feeling for myself that I didn't have time for me. So I was like, I need to step out of the practice, not fully, but on Monday, I dropped my Monday mornings. And so I'm in there Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings. And then I have Monday mornings. I'm working a lot on Soul Revival. I help a lot with our events and do a lot of, you know, in the background work with our companies. And I also, was like, I need to have somebody here to help out in the afternoon. So I found a babysitter that can be here on Wednesday afternoons. And then one of our um, other doctors in the practice, who's also kind of this hybrid, she helps with the kids on Tuesdays. And I needed to create a new pattern or a new container for myself in order for me to step into the energy that I wanted to be expressing in and not just continue to be on repeat of what I was operating in because it didn't feel good. And I think that's also, yeah, a, I mean, yeah. yeah, I think that's also a big thing too, is we are so scared of change in so many ways that even making that request for some people can be really, really difficult. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, just even just hearing your whole description of the mental process you went through, the main thing that resonates with me is just be honest with yourself. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we play this game with ourselves in our mind where we say that we want one thing to ourselves, but really we know that we want another thing mm-hmm. and we don't honor the thing that we know that we want, or we don't drop the thing we know that is draining us or we, you know, whatever it is that we know we're not doing, we don't do it. Yeah. And then we go on like that for years mm-hmm. 
and it bleeds us dry, and then we have to try to revive ourselves from near death. It's better to just catch it early when you're feeling like something's off. Something's, you know, something doesn't feel right. Having the self-awareness to say, erp, stop, okay, what's going on? Okay, uh, I'm feeling like I need to take some space for myself. I need to put some more time into, I, I don't know, Getting massages after, you know, get, getting a massage, uh, yeah. making sure that I get to the, making sure that I get to the gym, you know, uh, which means I need to maybe wake up a little bit earlier and go to bed just a bit earlier. And maybe I need to enroll the support of my spouse, which is like asking for help. Or yeah. maybe I need to ask my parents who live nearby, hey, can they help out with this thing while I take care of my needs? Or can I, you know, make sure that if I'm a mom, I'm not just eating the crusts of what my kids <laughs> had for breakfast and that I have a full meal for myself multiple <laughs> times per day and I'm hydrated, yeah. which is like the basic lot of everything. And what do I need to do to create that? Mm -hmm. Because if I can't do that, then I can't fulfill in the thing that I'm wanting to do anyway. So it yep. doesn't matter. Yeah. That was what I took from that. Yeah. And we're not, you're not expected to be perfect in it either. Like are no. there days where I'm like, oh shit, I forgot to eat. And I definitely ate the second half of sure. the sandwich for lunch. Absolutely. But to have sure. the awareness of, I don't want to make that as my choice every single day. Right. Huge. Because, yeah, because then you, you lose, you lose your identity. You lose your autonomy. You're just a servant of everyone else. Mom's serving. Mom's got it. You yeah. know, and then, oh, you got to play wife role. And then yeah. you got to play daughter role. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm not lost. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a common common thing that I see and does it happen more with women than with men I think in motherhood it happens the role thing yeah you know? I think it happens a lot more with women historically um I think so just because and I will say this it's di it's different for moms than it is for dads when it I is. it is no doubt in my body yeah no doubt I was no the one doubt. who birthed you it out it. of my body. I was the one who fed it from All my credit body. To you. It was, you know, the kids, they're like these little, um, it's like an appendage, right? Especially when they're really little. <laughs> like they're just Truly. on you all the time. And you can Truly. also, you can take motherhood and you can easily put this into entrepreneurial pursuit. Because when you're growing a business, when you're nurturing a business, when you're birthing a business, when that business is an infant, you're sure shit paying a whole lot of attention to it. And you also need to know how to, when is the right time for me to hire? When is the right time for me to automate? When is the right time for me to scale? When is the appropriate time for me to ask for help? And then the key to it is actually being open to receiving the help. Because you can make ah, the request, oh, yeah. But if you're not open to receiving it, you're going to miss it. Now, why would someone not be open to receiving it? Just plain devil's advocate here. Pride, control, ego. Pride. Pattern. How would it? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, when have I done that before? I think, hmm. I think sometimes it's shown up for me where it's like, I don't want to learn about something that I think... I don't want to invest any time in learning something that I think I already know. Yeah. Even though there's clear, I clearly don't know everything and there's probably something I can't learn from X, Y, Z. I'll say, oh, I already know that. And yeah. that's more of just like arrogance, you know? Yeah. 
So there's you know, a humility to my growth own. that so, needs yeah, to humility to it. to to really be embodied if you want to continue to grow in a sustainable way. Yeah, I think also we we get trapped in the I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this, and that's where chronic independence can be a hindrance to people. Where if you're so hyper independent which is often trauma response, but hyper-independence is also lack of trust that other people can show up mm. for you in your times of vulnerability when you need them. Ah, so if that people have let sense, you down or you have abandonment wounds and you've always had to be the one to pull yourself out of the shit, it's really hard to accept that somebody is going to be there for you when you need them. That would that reminds me of I totally agree with you and and that reminds me of kind of like the idea of someone who is very rigid is actually fragile. So it's like if you're like I don't need any help, I can do it all myself. But like just holding your body like that, you become very fragile and tense, and you don't have uh, you, you're. I feel like someone who's holding on to that much uh, like either anger or aggression. You know, there's no way that they are. There's no way that they wouldn't benefit from allowing others to help them. And most yeah. of the time, people who, who simply can't allow others to help them, they're doing it from a, a reaction of pain. Mm-hmm. You know, it's coming from a place of pain. That's what I've experienced. Yeah. Well, and if you take a nervous system too, that's like always just about to fire and it's just at its height of tolerance. If you're in, you know, a hyper chronic sympathetic state where you're always just about to, fight or flight. to go, fight or flight, Survival. which is the majority of society. Right. That's why That's this true. conversation around a lot of us. System, uh, regulation yeah. is so important. But when you're always just about to like go, you're much closer to your breaking point than if you're able to be uh, a little bit more malleable and dynamic and adaptable. I mean, look at even if um, if you look at certain a willow tree. Again, this is our daughter's name is Willow. A willow tree has these like long branches that are able to like move fluidly and and withstand Mm -hmm. a lot of storms and different things because there's an adaptability where, you know, information comes in, you're able to recognize it, you can move with it, you can integrate it, and then you can let it flow out. But if you're just like information comes in, it's the brick wall, you're just, it's going to knock you over. No, that makes complete sense. Well, okay. So as part of your uh, journey in developing some of this awareness, um, did you, you were speaking about uh, like nervous system regulation. Mm-hmm. Was that part of your process of self-discovery? Did you learn how to, how to repair or improve your nervous system? What does that look like practically? I, yeah. I so, um, there's lots of different things that you can do. And I'm, I'm grateful that I had the reference point of chiropractic as sort of the bedrock of my you know, education at that time and the lifestyle that I was living. So I knew that I already had a very valuable resource to be able to cultivate clarity and a dynamic nature within my nervous system. I think there's other things that you can do too, of just really being present with yourself, taking time, like breath is your first medicine that you have. And so being able to find the ways that you can breathe into the moments and find clarity um, there's different things that you can do to help, you know, downregulate the nervous system, even just taking a moment, becoming more responsive rather than reactive 
doing things that, you know, there's like little things too, like oiling your feet, <laughs> like oiling your earlobes, making sure your body's hydrated. Uh, you can gargle or sing or breathe or speak or chant and all of that activates your parasympathetics. So what I find is finding things that feel nourishing that don't necessarily have to have a, I don't want to say predictable outcome, but that don't have to have some achievement box checked, right? So doing things for the joy of doing them. Hobbies are are a great thing that a lot of us don't prioritize because we think, sure. oh, why am I doing this? What is what is the return on investment of me doing this? And we're often thinking of it from a monetary standpoint rather than the return on investment for this is joy or the return on investment for this. Most is- people's hobbies now are Netflix. Totally. Which is just Netflix or scrolling social media, which again is just yeah. another way to dissociate from what's actually happening. If you're engaging and you're receiving the information and you're watching, you know, a thought-provoking documentary, awesome. And there's ways that you can, you know, regulate the nervous system just by things that are familiar that can also help like calm an anxious mind. But if you're just sitting there and you're scrolling, you're just like boom into your subconscious, boom into your subconscious, boom into your subconscious. And we're not meant to intake the amount of information that we have readily available to us at any given moment. The human has such opportunity to just be bombarded constantly by information all the time, but never given the space to actually integrate any of it. And so when you are just consuming, 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 you get constipated with all of this stuff. And if you're not creating or outsourcing or energetically releasing any of it, you're just welled up. I know. I know the feeling. No, I, I, I feel sometimes, I'm sure you can relate if you're listening. I mean, there's look, there's a lot of points I want to make in what you just said. But yeah. um, specifically on the last point, I have felt even recently like, oh, just info sick, info glut. Even though, and I think partially it's because I'm creating a lot of content. And so it's like, you know, I'm really, I'm I'm hitting it hard here. Yeah. But yeah, I, get, I think you can get a very, um, I think you can get addicted to content. And I think you can get also, uh, you, you can, you can. Uh, your mental diet can become quite imbalanced. Mm-hmm. And really what we're consuming isn't just physical, but it's mental, oh. spiritual. Yep. And, uh, you know, moderate the junk food. Mm-hmm. But it's hard though, because we live in such a content-rich world. Yeah. Just like most of the food at the supermarket is processed. Yeah, that right there. You said it. There's also no. a common thing that I find gets missed a lot is people forget that when you're engaging with a device or you're engaging with your phone or you're engaging with social media in particular, it's a two-way street. So Mm -hmm. you're not Mm -hmm. just receiving or you're not just observing, you're also receiving. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you can take that as deep as you want, but if, if I can speak to boundaries with your energy if you're just constantly consuming and you're not necessarily aware of what where things are coming from, what are the intentions behind it? Is this coming from fear? Is this coming from love? Is this coming from somebody who's trying to manipulate me? Is this coming from somebody who is not necessarily in a good way? 
with, you know, the way that they're presenting content or whatever it is, it's a two way street. And so as much as you plug in, you get plugged in too. Uh, I'll tell you how I look at it. Also feeding off of us. I I consider myself a full-time content creator and I work on the internet. And the way I consider it is, it's like I work in the dirtiest place in the world and I have to yeah. sanitize myself multiple times per day. Absolutely. You know, and what that means for me is you're talking about down-regulating down the nervous system. It For me, it's very specific. I mention it all the time on here. Meditation, breath yep. work, sound healing-ish, yep. those types of things. Uh, and then down the down the habit hole, for me, jujitsu. I'm going to say any type of physical activity yep. that's going to get you to stimulate you mentally and get you a pump. So that's down the habit hole, not down the rabbit hole, yes. psychedelics, mushrooms, <laughs> LSD, ayahuasca. Yeah. These are how I like to downregulate my, to quote, downregulate my nervous system. And I think that uh, these are the things that help to cleanse me of working in the dirtiest place in the world, which is the internet. Go put your fucking feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. Go breathe mm-hmm. some clean air. Go sit in the sun. Yeah. That's partially why we moved to Oregon, which, and I'm yeah. sure it's nice. Uh, well, I know it's nice in Tucson, and it's, yeah. there is definitely, uh, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. O- o- Oakland, San Francisco, San Francisco is horrible. But yeah, here it's so nice in, in, in Portland, and it, you know, it's so clean, and that alone has made me feel better. I can tell you that I had some sort of like HRV measurement or some sort of like cardiac stress measurement. Oh, it has gone down significantly yeah. from moving locations. And I can just tell you, please, I know, I can feel it. So it's real, you know, environment. Air quality, also how you're treating your body, how you're, you know, you mentioned really, I, I want to hone in on this again, this idea that you mentioned of like checking in on yourself, asking yourself what your needs are, talking to your partner, talking to your family, getting getting your team on your side, putting together your team and getting your yeah. team on your side, not feeling like you're doing it alone, yes. you know? It's big. A lot of women probably feel like that. Mm-hmm. Like you have you know, to, men too, you, men too, for sure. You have to hold, I think women and men both feel like they have to hold it all together, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and with different expectations that are either yep. culturally put on us or conditionally put on us by the way that we were raised or our response. What are some of those for women? We raised. What are some of those things that are put on you guys? Well, I think, I think you can look at, you know, say you grew up and you had a really horrible family life, right? The, the, the need to produce and the need to really get shit done and the need to be like hyper independent because you're the one who's driving the, the bus to make sure that you're meeting your success also has a different uh, expectation on it than say you were brought up in a really successful family. The need to feel mm-hmm. like you need to meet those benchmarkers so that you don't feel like a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, the, totally. The need for a man to know that he's creating safety and, like I said before, providing and protection and stability in a certain way. And for, you know, a woman or a wife, like, be, am I being a good wife? Like, am I, you know, a good mother? Like, am I making sure the kids and the family are fed in a good way? Am I, you know, do they have enough social interaction? Am I doing enough? I should also be, it should, 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 aside. They call it should aside. What are you choosing? Because you're the one who gets to choose it. And when you're really honest with what you're choosing, you can make better choices. Yep. 
And when your nervous system yeah. isn't freaking the fuck out all the time, you're not moving from a place of survival. You're moving from a place of empowerment. Your choices get better. E- easy, easy, easy said than done sometimes. What I will say is that one of the things that will help is working on getting financially secure. Yes. It doesn't mean necessarily being an entrepreneur. No. It just means whatever that definition is for you. But if you're in survival mode financially, it's very hard to think about your other personal needs. I need a pedicure. Mm-hmm. My back hurts. All that crap goes to the wayside yeah. when you got to pay the bills. So look to that as your first life raft. Yeah. And but but then but then like once you once you get to the point where you can uh, take care of your basic financial needs. Don't just stop there. And a lot of people will stop there. They say, okay, I just pay my bills. I should just be happy. They say things like, in this economy, I'm just lucky to be X, Y, Z. In this economy, I'm just lucky to have a place to live. Yeah, okay, well, work on improving the place. You know, in this economy, I'm just lucky to, uh, you know, to to be able to afford food. Well, try to get the nicest food that you can for yourself. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> still actively work to improve yourself. And, uh, even, and, and yeah. Even in that too, I agree. And to add to that, where you're at in your and in your mind, in your body, in your in like we've been talking about your nervous system, how it's expressing, how it's either in hypervigilance or, you know, it can be the opposite where there's no motivation and you just are not going to fucking do anything. Regardless of where you're at financially, you can be fulfilled or not because we've you can find joy, happiness, regulation within your nervous system, purpose gratitude, all of that when you have nothing and all of that when you have seemingly everything. And the flip side of that too, you can have everything that you've possibly worked for. You can be so financially abundant, so financially secure and fucking miserable and still operating from a space of nervous system overwhelm. So the the secret sauce is as you build, how do you continue to not only build the external, but build the internal resilience and, and structure that's needed to be able to hold that which you're creating? Because you could create a whole bunch of stuff, but if you don't have, if you don't have the nest to land it in, it's going to still feel chaotic, even if you have millions of dollars in the bank or you have nothing in the bank. Yeah, it's interesting. Most people don't even take the time to think about um, the fact that in order f- to get a result, you have to become the person that would be able to receive that type of result, meaning that it's kind of like reverse engineering. What type of person would I need to be if I were to accomplish this goal? And, you and that sounds kind of to me like what you're saying. Uniquely yeah. to you, because we're all created so uniquely and so differently. So Mm -hmm. there are Mm -hmm. principles, there are absolutely universal and natural laws and principles to how all of this works and figuring out your dance and your rhythm within them is Mm -hmm. what's going to be your quantum accelerating factor. I want to stop you there because I was just talking about this on, it's been two podcasts in a row today. Mm -hmm. Now the third one we've talked about this, it's, it's really tuning into yourself, guys, tuning into what you can uniquely offer and realizing that there's no, it doesn't even make sense to compare yourself to others because everyone's coming from a completely different uh, 
life experience, history, abilities, family, parents, circumstances, time, country, race, ethnic background, financial standing, all these different stuff, all these different factors. And you have to then come with your unique uh, thing that you really like and then find a way to make it work in the marketplace with a nice little twist. Yep. And But everyone can find their thing and you don't need to copy anybody else. You don't. Yeah. Um, you know, and we've been we've been talking to people this entire podcast of just who aren't worried about copying others, but who are worried about doing their own thing. And that I think is the best way to stand out because there's a lot of people who are claiming to be able to do everything. Yeah. And and really to me it means nothing. So work just do you. Even if it's a weird version of you, whether it's a product or a service you want to sell, there's usually gonna be a lane for you. Yeah. So so focus on what you can uniquely offer. But that's what stood out to me in what you were saying. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree completely. Because the more that you try to, well, authenticity will show up. If you're trying to pretend that you're somebody else, people can smell bullshit from a mile away. They can. So if you're trying to- Yeah, especially now on social media. In the past, I think now people can really, because people know, most people who are not as rich as you think they are, Mm -hmm. or not as successful as you think they are. And we use these- these platforms to create these billboards for ourselves or advertisements to sell ourselves, mm-hmm. but it's not a hundred percent us. It's just the representation. Yeah. You know? And with, with that too, it's, there is this big awakening that's happening consciously with people, whether they're prepared for it or not. And I mean, you know, this, you've spent enough time in the, in the medicine spaces too, that, if you're open to it and you are willing to, again, I just keep hearing receiving, receiving. If you're open to it and you're willing to be dynamic with it, it's going to be the change in the evolution and the ascension is going to be a lot less painful than if you fight against it. And so when we when we look yes. at representations of people and the highlight reels or the billboards or the whatever that they're putting up, if they want to have a perfectly curated feed, cool, go do your thing, whatever. And also people are looking for authenticity. They're looking, I don't want to know that you're perfect all the time. I want to know where you fucked up. I want to know, people want relatability because it makes it feel more attainable for them to be able to step into the next version of themselves if they can see the story of where you were and where you're you're coming into. You know, you, you talk about a lot of advanced shit that I think is going to go over a lot of people's heads on this podcast. I'm trying to dial it down. Do you have any? <laughs> no. Do you have? Do you have? Do you have any? Cause, really yeah, some people are saying I'm like, not they're out like, there. <laughs> they're going to be like, mm, yeah. no, but I, but I, but but I am following, and I'm wondering, do you have any book recommendations of where to start to understand? Because I, I have some ideas of what you're of of where to start for these types of ideas, but I want to know what your recommendations are. I'm honestly not a big reader. You're not a big reader? No. Really? What, what? How do you consume information primarily? Or do you not consume it? I, okay. I'm like, I'm going to be the, <laughs> I'm the fucking worst when it comes to this. Um, Brett, in our, in our dynamic, Brett is like the reader. And I jokingly said reader. for the last like 12 years that we've been together, I'm like, it's like living with Cliff's notes. Like he'll read something. And then the way that he <laughs> understands information is by teaching it. So I just like wait for him to read the book. And then he like tells me all about it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. Right. Um, Get the digested version. Yeah. I, for me, I'm such an experiential person. I learn by being in it. I learn by first feeling what's going on, questioning what's happening, and then like Googling the shit out of everything to be like, okay, well, why, why, did, why did that come up? What is that? Wherever. And you then, experiment. And tr- yeah. And then trusting 
also that spirit is going to give me the answer that I need in the people and the relationships around me. So yeah, you experiment. I am like, I'm, I, I listen a lot. I think tapping into your own intuitive abilities is really necessary. And that comes from clarity that comes from, um, just deep listening within self. Like, I don't know if I want to go into all of the like. You got you got good you got good research skills is what I'm hearing. Clearly. You basically just know exactly what to look for. You get exactly what you need. Well, for and, me, I'm like figure it the fuck out. That's like we were talking about this the other day. It's like we didn't know how to do this and and, and, this. and kick it off. We didn't know how to do this, you know. This came in, so figure it out. What do you need to know? Like, oh, okay. I mean, I would imagine. Yeah. I would imagine at chiropractic school, they had you read a ton of crap. So it's like, okay, you can definitely read long passages if you want, but it's more right. just like now it's like, what do I want to know? Get to the information, start experimenting, test it out. And for me, what's been in, in my journey, yeah. for me personally, what's been really powerful is the more clear that I get, the more clear my channel is. And then the more clear my channel is, the more potent the information that comes directly from spirit is. So I've always been- People are like, Kate. Sorry. Kate, I don't, can't channel. Look, guys, read <laughs> Joe Dispenza. Start, start there. Okay. Start there. Jesus, how am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do for the sound bites of this? I'm sorry. You knew I'm channeling from source. You were getting into conversation. It's true. It's true. Brett's not the start only with Joe Disp- one in yeah. family. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Start Joe Dispenza. Yes. Yes. Start that people. Yes. Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, get on the fucking guy. And there you go. Um, you know people. There you I- go. Give some examples. <laughs> Uh, be practical. I just give a screenshot of Brett's library. Yeah, me, you know, coming, but I can't. You know, it's come in the form of people for me in my life. Like so much of the awareness that I've gathered sure. from things have been from like spiritual mentors that have come in, and I'm like, I for whatever reason, if you keep your prayer and you keep your intention, you keep your manifestation really clear, and the clarity comes from you being able to know who the fuck you are and to be able to stand in your center and to be able to be understanding of all the things that you are not and understanding where you're inviting in all of the things that you are, the resources will drop in at the exact divine timing that you need them. And then you don't have to consume, you just uncover. Because if we are expressions of the divine and we are actually in this space of being a singular representation of the all, when you really fucking think about that, you already have all the information inside of you. You just have to remember it and call it in. You know this shit. It's in you. And then the resonant frequency in which it drops into your body, into your field, you'll know it as truth or you'll know it as bullshit or you'll know it as, I need to know more about that. Where do I find the resource? And then trust that it will, that it will show up. Things come in threes. If something shows up for me in threes, I'm like, I need to know more about that. Where is it? Damn, Dr. Kate Jones. Wow. Okay. That was a, that was a, a quite a potent download. Yeah. That, that's how it, that's I, how it happens. Let, let me let me tell you something too, because I, I just absorbed that. And I will tell you this, Brett had a similar download on me on the show. And as I listened to it, I said, okay, that's cool. Then I listened to it again as I was walking the dog. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> listen to this a few times. If you're listening to this right now, Run go again. back and listen to it again. Listen to it again. Run it back. And let it sit. Run it back. Mm-hmm. I need to let it sit for a minute. Because yep. it's just, it's a lot of information packed very densely. Totally. Okay. 
But that's how, that's how uh, when you're clear, that's how spirit will move through you and how spirit will speak through you is with clarity. It's like, how do you know, how do you know the next right step to take in your business? How do you know the next space that you need to step into when you cultivate emotional awareness and you know the landscape of who you are and the landscape of your expression, your intuition turns on and then you, and then you just ask, give me what is needed and then it will show up sometimes in a completely unsuspecting way. So for example, whoever's listening to this podcast, what you probably don't know who the fuck I am or haven't really heard of me. <laughs> Let's be honest. And I'm going to do an intro. I know you'll do it. Whatever. So they'll have reference, but for the most part, like, <laughs> like, Oh, Dr. Kate Jones. Like, hmm, okay. Like, well, we'll listen to what her podcast is, but there's something here for you. You should, this, this podcast, this moment, this conversation, this information, these downloads, all of it were placed exactly into your life at the time you needed it for what you needed to hear for the next step that you need to take. So trust that. The moments are the teachers. Leave what you don't. I just fucked my brain. I'm sorry. Sarah and I have this inside joke, which I won't bother explaining. It just doesn't really matter. But we go, you fucked my brain. Basically just means you blew my mind. You blew my mind. Thank you for that. Yeah. I, wow. Okay. So we, so we have soul revival, which is coming up in a few weeks here. So Uh, it's going to be in Tucson, Arizona. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that event, what to expect and uh, where to learn more. Yeah. So soul revival um, initially was an idea, a prayer, a, vision that came through in 2019 we were set to have it in 2020 uh everything fucking shut down like three days before we were supposed to have the event so that didn't happen so then in 2021 we pivoted we did a hybrid experience and really the the best way that i continue to explain what this is was we started seeing all of the amazing transformation that was happening at the kairos training culture events in a chiropractic container and a lot of the feedback that we got from both our clients, from people who are in Kairos, their partners, was they wanted something like that. And so we were like, what is something that we can create for the general public that speaks to these principles and brings that level of that high level of facilitation to a larger audience of people? So Soul Revival, and again, the tagline I keep using for it is like, if you took a Tony Robbins conference and Burning Man and you like put them together, that's kind of like the love child of Soul Revival. So there'll be movement, there'll be breath work, there'll be meditation, we'll be doing different activations. We have really potent and powerful speakers coming in to share um, their wisdom on things like consciousness, entrepreneurship, crypto, uh, healing codes is the, is the, theme of soul revival this year. And when I think about what healing codes are, it's our ability to access that deep wisdom within and to activate it in a way that brings about healing in our lives. And that could be mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever it may be. And then at the end of the night, we're doing our ecstatic healing event, which is basically like a ceremonially curated DJ set with guided uh, movement um and it's a fucking epic dance party it's a real good time 
So we'll have all the majority of almost all of the Kairos training culture lead facilitators there. We have this dope integration space. So we'll be adjusting people. We've got some uh, sound healing going over there. It's just a whole, you know, melting pot of good stuff. You know, it's funny too, because like some people who are listening to this podcast will have never heard pretty much anybody speak the way that you speak. (laughs) And they might think it's weird, but what's funny is that if you go to one of these events, which I've been to a bunch of your events now, I love them all. Yeah. Really, they're all, they've all been different. Totally. But there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who think like this, who speak like this, who act like this and are like this. Yeah. And it's a good thing, but it's funny because there's a whole community of them, of, of people who are truly, it's not just chiropractors either, no. who are truly starting to live with this intentionality, there's a way of speaking. There's a way of thinking. There's a uh, there's a commitment to like certain disciplines, like meditation or breath work. There's a there's an interest in psychedelics. There's a there's this whole little community that's forming here. I think it's interesting. You know, I've been watching it. Yeah, and here's the thing too: is I I talked about this on uh, a podcast I did with Ruby Freeman. Was you get to be all of your parts. You get to be the badass fucking super successful entrepreneur. You get to be the psychonaut. You get to be the loving father or mother. You get to be the artistic um, creative. You get to be the musician. You get to be the whatever the fuck you want to be. You can be the athlete. You get to be all of it. To think that you have to subscribe yourself to one version and one expression of who you are is a fucking lie. It just is. So what is is beautiful is, again, when we talk about reclaiming the self, it's reclaiming all the pieces of yourself and allowing them to come through in all the ways that you want them to. So, yeah, can I can I jump into really, really deep spiritual experiences and conversations? Absolutely. Can I get shit done from an event management standpoint and with, you know, helping these businesses? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can I be a tender, nurturing mother? Can I be a fucking dope, sexy, amazing wife? Yes. Can I be, you know, a fun movement um, instructor where I have people like jumping around and fucking twerking in their garages? Yes. All of it. Do I sing? Yes. Do I play instruments? Yes. I have long just for a long time tell us more about about what you do kate for well but that's the thing is we all have these things we all do all this stuff and for us to think that we have to be and that's the fucking lie that we put ourselves in when you put yourself in a box when you put yourself like yes have a purpose have a a mission of where you're moving in life but don't feel like you have to meet all these other pieces of yourself because that's what informs what makes you fucking different that's why people want to buy from you because you are who they resonate with. They don't resonate with somebody who's pretending to be all these things or trying to shut out these versions of themselves that they don't want to participate in. When you fully embody yourself, you're so much more powerful because you're claiming and you're holding all of your fucking energy. And when you have that, you become so potent and so magnetic. And that's like what shifts. That's when you become like your brand. That's when you shift your shit into a whole nother level because you're moving in authenticity. 
I'm with it. I'm with it. And and it's really the only option that you have. You think you have another option, yeah. but really the only option is be your fucking self. Yeah. And it works every time. If you believe it works. Um we appreciate you. Uh tell us how to how to uh how to how to find you. Yeah. Uh I'm on Instagram doing shit on there. Uh <laughs> you can follow okay. me at We're gonna tag it all in the show notes. Yeah, we're, we're gonna put the show notes. Yeah, that's probably the easiest way to connect with me is either on my Instagram account at Dr. Kate Jones. Um, I'm also a lead facilitator for Kairos Training Culture and then um, currently serving at the Source Chiropractic in Tucson. Um, And then I also have different individual offerings for people, whether you want to work with me in person or you want to work remotely. I do different uh, containers for, like I said, mentorship and just helping you um, understand who you are and help guide you and help you move into who you're wanting to become so yeah dope dope Ah, my friends, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I loved making it for you. And obviously, Dr. Kate Jones is a wealth of knowledge. Go check out everything she has to offer. And uh, make sure that you check out newwaveentrepreneur.com to get all the updates and everything we're, that we're doing uh, on the show and in the community. Make sure that you are uh, are checking out also um, the New Wave podcast on all platforms and you're you're leaving a comment you're leaving a review you're subscribing on that platform so that you make sure that you get the updates when we come out with new stuff uh what else do we have going for you ah soul revival march 26 in tucson that's coming up if you want to join uh join me and uh and the gang check out newwaveentrepreneur.com for links and also thank you to swannies swanic sleep love your glasses thank you so much that's it guys uh the water's warm the tide is rising so let's jump on in Get ready to surf this new wave. Daniel, out.